Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. Okay, this is episode 17. This is our last interview for our Enneagram series, The Road Back to You, with Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Today we have Lauren Coates. Lauren, feel free to introduce yourself, talk, talk about us, what you do, all that good stuff. Okay, I'm Lauren Coates. I own Rockwell Counseling and Wellness. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I work with couples and adults, and I'm married with th- three children, ages eight, six, and three. And we are going next month to get our baby girl from China. She's 18 months old, so we will have four kiddos. Yeah, and if you have adoption questions, she's a great person to ask. I think Casey advertised yesterday on Facebook, was it? And he's like, if you ever need help with paperwork, hire Lauren. Yes, I love that he (laughs) offered up my services for free. Yes, that's why you can count on the eight in your life to do that. For sure. They'll help you be the go-getter. (laughs) Okay, so a little bit about your counseling services. So what does that look like? You said you're the owner. So how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Uh, Well, so we live here in Rockwall, Texas, and um, I I was officing in Heath at the time, which is just a few miles down the road, and the person that was on the lease was um, forgoing the lease. She was pregnant and going to stay home, and so I was driving home that day, and passed by this office. I passed by it on my way home um, from work. It's two miles from my house. It had a for rent sign in the yard, and it just so happened to be the day that she told us she was not going to renew the lease. So I pulled over, and in really tiny letters, it said, or for sale. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) In Sharpie marker. And so I called. um, Looks legit. Yes, so legit. I called her, and... um, she, we worked out a deal. We, we did it without a, a real estate agent or anything. And she, um, owned a, a small business as well. And so she was excited that it was going to another female business owner. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Mom, mompreneurs, there mompreneurs, however we say that. But how, if that's not divine intervention, I don't know what is. Yeah. Okay. So the Enneagram, you're a counselor. So self-awareness, Enneagram, all that kind of ties in together. So how did you discover your number? How did you know all of this? And how were you sure that that was you? Um, well, five or six, I really don't, not sure exactly. Five or six years ago, my husband came home from work and they had um, Enneagram experts do a staff development um, for the entire staff. And they took an assessment and he came home talking about it. I'd never heard of it before. And so I immediately uh, wanted to take it, and he said, I already know who, what, which one you are, but you are, sure, you can take it. Go ahead. And I took it, and sure enough, I was a seven, the enthusiast. The fun which, one. The fun one, <laughs> yes. And he, he already knew. He already knew when he read it that that was the one that I was going to be. But it just resonated with me immediately. Um, I took, I took a, the, a test on Enneagram Institute. So, you know, they say the assessments are really only like 55% accurate or so. Um, and so I use it just to narrow down, like which right. numbers you're not. But when I read it, I knew, and I've read all of them, but I just knew immediately that one was mine. Right, because you know why you do what you do. Um, okay, so what would you say to someone who doesn't know their number, maybe not even interested in the Enneagram, or thinks this is some sort of cult? What is this magic? Yeah, well, I have a lot of people that think that. Uh, <laughs> but I, how do, what do you say to them? Well, I, 
I normally say you don't have to buy into the Enneagram, but let's just, if you want to read about it a little bit and see if it resonates with you, normally some one of the numbers resonates with them, and they um, pretty much buy in at that point because they feel like someone has kind of spoken into a part of them that um, feels maybe even secretive or hidden yes. that they haven't they haven't ever yes. told anyone so they feel like they're you're, you're having your mind read exposed exposed that's for sure feeling oh okay so again tying enneagram in with self-awareness how does that benefit people in general um well my favorite way to use the enneagram is in a relationship uh, whether that's a romantic relationship or just a friendship i just think you can so often uh, get your wires crossed or get your feelings hurt or just not understand why someone is doing what they're doing or why you are responding the way that you're responding. Um, and so I just feel like it's very helpful with realizing we're just two very different personalities and this is how you handle conflict or this is how you handle stress and it's different than how I handle it. Does, doesn't make it bad, doesn't make it wrong. Um, but, but gives a really good understanding as to why we're both doing it differently. That's what's helped me, too, understanding that there's more than one right way. Uh-huh. So being a one, I'm like, why wouldn't you do it this way? This is the most practical, effective way to do things. Mm-hmm. But as a seven, you might be like, but that's not fun. That is so <laughs> boring. Why would you do it that way? <laughs> exactly. Let's pick it out of order. Right. Yeah. Yes. Totally. And we need both. We Everyone needs everyone, which is great. For sure. So God had it right when he had this little system of personalities. Mm-hmm. So how would you say being a seven has affected the way you see yourself, just introspectively and how the since, since learning I'm a seven? Yes, yes. Hmm. Um, well, it's helped me realize that part of the parts of my personality that I may have seen in the past as maybe a deficit um, is actually something that only a seven might bring to the world. And so I've started looking at um, some of those parts of my personality as a gift and maybe even a strength that, you know, a lot of times our strengths are our weaknesses. Um, but I think it's just given me that understanding of this is how I'm unique. I'm uniquely wired in this way. And um, like you said, I think all personality types are, are needed in order to um, have, you know, the spice of life. That's right. what I kind of feel like the yeah. seven is. <laughs> So do you have a specific example on your giftings or your skill sets that maybe not someone else has? So what is specifically stuck out to you? Like, oh, okay, that's a thing for Mm sentence. That's normal. Yeah. Um, One that just comes, pops into my mind is just the knack of talking and getting people talking. Um, I have, even far before I was a counselor, I have always gotten my friends to just open up and share their stories. And my, my best friend, Lauren, her name is also Lauren. She's a four. She calls it rapid fire questioning. (laughs) She's like, you're doing the rapid fire thing again. Um, but it's always worked to get people to just talk and we'll be at dinner with strangers and Casey will say, you just got him to open up his entire life story. Um, and so I feel like that is partly a seven thing. I think there's other numbers that have that, but it's definitely the people person part of my personality. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So how does that, with your seven lens, how do you view the world? So now you know like your giftings and your skill set. So how are you going to apply that to everybody else in the world? You do counseling already. Mm -hmm. But um, what's some ways that you can, what's some things you've done to help other people in your surroundings? Um, Well, I I think a big portion of that is I'm a pretty positive person. And so... um, 
kind of wherever I go, I, I tend to ask people questions or sort of, um, you know, I want to, I want to leave feeling like that person, like I made them smile, yeah. I guess is a way to put it. That's um, funny because that would never be one of my goals. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't want people to smile, but that's never, like, oh, I just want someone to smile today because that's of funny. me. That thought would never be in my head. This which... <laughs> morning in Starbucks line, the, the woman said, you always dress so light and airy. I always feel so calm when you drive through. <laughs> I see her every morning, literally oh, every morning. <laughs> And I said, oh, that's great. I'm a therapist. And she goes, oh, girl, that's why I need, that's why I like it when you come through. I need you. <laughs> I want to hear, what would a, what do you think about being a one? What do you feel like you add uh, when order. you're? Order. <laughs> <laughs> All the not fun stuff like, hey, guys, there's an agenda or compliance uh-huh. with a lot of things. So a lot of times ones make really good lawyers or people mm. in different positions to where like, hey, you can't break the law. That's a law. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. The justice system. Yes. Yeah. So, and I'm. If at Myers-Briggs, I'm an ESTJ, so the J is like capital J, larger than everything else, so... You said I, you're an I, ESTJ? Yes, okay. so I I'm like the e- justice and uh-huh. all that We're opposite on that. I'm ESFP. Oh, so mm-hmm. I don't even know how to relate to you right now, except <laughs> when I'm secure, because I go to a seven, so... That's maybe, true. So maybe I'm attracted to sevens, because you were asking me earlier, before we started recording, what number am I attracted to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm thinking, my friend Emily's a seven, and I love hanging out with Emily. That's mm. awesome. So you're a seven. I forgot. We go to each other. So yes. I take... You You take on my negative. Ne- yes. Yes, so... And I totally become critical when I'm in a bad place. That's yes. what I what I take on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... And I've had to address that. Like, my inner critic, I didn't mm-hmm. realize how negative the subconscious self-talk was, because I had just been listening to that narrative mm-hmm. my whole young adult life. I'm like, oh, wait, that's not normal this is not normal to be that critical mm. of yourself so look at me learning had things. some toxic thoughts going on there yes this building is doing a great job for me <laughs> we're actually in lauren's office right now so look at that there we are okay so now we're going to talk about you in the workplace so you're a counselor you can say certain things or not say certain mm-hmm. things uh, but how has the enneagram or bringing self-awareness helped in the workplace yeah, so um, I do the Enneagram with most of my clients, especially all the couples that come into my office. And it just really provides couples especially with a perspective of, okay, we are compatible and we're not crazy, um, but I've lived with you for 20 years and I just didn't realize you were a two and mm-hmm. you this is why you you know feel like you need all of this um response for the things that you do and you want me to your your biggest need is love and words of affirmation and that sort of thing and so realizing that um when a couple comes in and they just have very different personalities and that's normal and the way it's supposed to be very I've actually never had a couple come in with the same number um I don't did you know interesting fours did you know fours marry each other or together twice as often as the other numbers what Uh uh-huh I yeah. did not know that. Yes, because you know, That's fascinating. They're individualists. They right. they think they're or they're different. You're I'm right. not going to tell and them that are. they're not different. You are. They're you so are. different. And no one's like you. And so they draw. They're drawn to other people who also feel that same way. Yeah. So they marry each other twice as often, uh, but I've never had a couple come in with the same number. So let's say, me and my husband, we need to. So do they come to you and just say we're having issues? Help us, or do they say? Is it like a maintenance thing? 
it's was, it's all along it's all 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 of those things um there's a spectrum for sure uh one of my specialties is a fair recovery so obviously they're coming in because there was infidelity in the relationship and the enneagram is not something that we talk about for many many sessions right um but then there's others where communication is like the number one thing that they want to talk about and the enneagram is addressed way faster so mm-hmm. maybe i don't know the fourth or fifth session we might um introduce the Enneagram and most everyone has not heard of it yeah so um it's all new to them and so I like to uh kind of teach the Enneagram verbally mm-hmm. um I do have them take a little assessment just a free five minute assessment to sort of narrow down which ones they're not um but I always have them read and and right. decide based on what they've read right because you can only you only know your reasoning behind mm-hmm. things. So yeah, you could be looking like you're doing this, but really mm-hmm. you're a four or a five. Um, or so we have some friends who, and they may have said this out loud. I don't remember or not. So anonymous. They've lived under constant chronic stress. Mm-hmm. So whenever they've taken it, they've always tested as a certain number. Mm-hmm. But then they go back and read the chapter, and they're like, No, okay, I get it. I've been living in my stress number. Right. But I really am this other number. Right. So that's pretty interesting too. Yeah. So a couple comes in or how so how does this even work? If a couple needs counseling, how do they how do they know they need it? And what are the steps to get into a room like this? So usually a couple seeks counseling um after a big fight, to be honest. Most couples have a big fight and they say, We need help, we can't fix this on our own and so um they start looking for a marriage counselor um sometimes they'll have a friend who had a marriage counselor and they'll say we've been going to marriage counseling and it's really helped us so I do have a few of those where there wasn't a but some big major issue going on but they had friends that were going to counseling and they could see it benefiting them but most of the time they've had an argument and they decide they want to have um sort of a moderator in the room and so they'll come in for their first session um ask a bunch of questions in the first session and they you know get down to why they're here and so usually it's uh usually it's communication issues they don't understand each other they don't understand why um you know she needs more romance from him or more you know words of affirmation or whatever and he wants to talk about how uh, he wants to go hunting without her nagging him, or he wants to have sex more, or whatever. Right. There's a whole bunch of different things mm-hmm. that they talk about. But those are some frequent ones. All right, so whenever they figure out their numbers, what what happens next? Once you do the five-minute, mm-hmm. and then they read, and then how does that go into your counseling? What does that look like? Um, so we normally go... One percent of the time, um, just kind of talking about what parts resonated with them the most, and conversation just kind of morphs from there pretty easily because uh, their their spouse will likely say, "Oh my gosh, I've seen you do that a million times. I've never I've never understood why you did that. I always thought it was because I was doing something." Um, so that's a big part of it is realizing it has nothing to do with your spouse. Usually, it is just the way that you handle. Um, stress or the way you receive love or um, that sort of thing. That's very fascinating and very helpful. So if you guys are feeling that, and maybe also if you're not feeling it yet, that way you have some something to pull from the arsenal of, hey, let's get some help. We know how to address this. So talk about counseling before there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my husband and I, we've been, we're about to be married for 12 years in December, um, and we have had 
two or three, I can't remember, two or three marriage counselors, and we each have had individual counselors as well. Um, just through different portions of our life, we started going to marriage counseling about 18 months in. I wish we had had the Enneagram then, because mm-hmm. honestly, I would understand so much more about those early days and the arguments that we had, because Casey is an eight, but he has very he has a lot of one in him. I keep trying to tell him he's a one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't try to tell anyone what their number is. Um, but he, the way he argues is so... I'm trying to choose my words carefully. It's, it's, it's abrasive. It's just abrasive. It's forceful. It's uh, in-your-face kind of arguing. Exactly, Morgan. Yeah, and I'm a seven. I'm like, dude, I thought we were having... <laughs> like, can we have some playful banter? Yes. Um, so, but I would quickly go to a one and be uber-critical of right. him. So one's your stress number. Yes, so I go to a one and stress, and I see that in myself. If I'm ever critical of others, I know that I'm in an, in an unhealthy place. So I would quickly criticize him, um, and it would just, oh, man, it would just go bad from there. So so if we had the Enneagram uh, back then in our early days of marriage, I think it would have made a big difference because uh, as a seven, Sevens often want or feel trapped, uh, and so uh, sometimes I would feel super trapped in the convers or the argument, and I would say something just cutthroat to make him make leave me stop. alone, make yes. it stop. And it, so it was just it was a recipe for disaster when we didn't understand each other. So yeah. All right. So you've so you've done. Do y'all still do counseling? Together, uh, I think the last time we went to marriage counseling, I was pregnant with our last child, so about three and a half years ago. I feel like nothing should count when you're pregnant just because you're a totally different creature. <laughs> you have a parasite inside of your body. It's just... Clearly, I had great pregnancies. <laughs> Sick all the time. But yes, very thankful for these tiny humans. So I, yes. I did probably cry in every one of those sessions, for sure. Oh, oh, oh the hormones. Sorry, guys. We're not sorry about having to deal with things that you did to us. Okay, so Enneagram and your friendships... So this can be how you mentioned Lauren's a four mm-hmm. or your other friends or nines you mentioned yeah. earlier. So talk a little bit about that, how you interact with them. Or if you're a counselor, are your friends just like, don't analyze me? Or they're like, hey, free counseling. I don't think anyone has said, don't analyze me. I think a lot of my friends are like, hey, Lauren, tell me what you think about this. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, my, my one of my best friends, Lauren, she's a four, and we've been friends since we were 12 years old, seventh grade. And so uh, when I found out that she was a four and I was a seven, it made a lot of sense. Looking back over the mm-hmm. last 15 years of our friendship, um, she likes a lot of qual- We actually talked about this today, the other day. She likes a lot of quality, like quality time for her is one-on-one, face-to-face talking. And okay. for a seven, it's, really specific. it's so specific. <laughs> yeah. So if I ask her to go to a movie, it doesn't count. Right. Um, we need to go to dinner. We need to look at each other. We have to talk. So, which I love doing. But um, as a seven, anything that we do together is quality time for me. Anything yeah. that we're doing that's fun. Um, and so I was listening to Annie F. Downs podcast on yes. the Enneagram and I sent it to Lauren. I was like, listen to this part about the seven. She says that if you go to a concert with a seven, <laughs> it's quality time. And she wrote back, she was like, there is no way that's quality time. I can't even hear you. I'm not, I'm, we're not having a conversation. So it's been helpful to know, you know, what my friends expect of me, that sort of thing, or what, mm-hmm. you know, what would be, um, what would feel like good friendship to them. So um, most of my friends are nines. I've figured that out. And my mom is also a nine. 
and she's one of my friends. There you go. That counts. <laughs> that counts. Um, and I found that I think I'm drawn to them because they're like, Lauren, what do you want to do? Let's go do whatever you want to do. And then I get to okay. pick all the fun things. Yeah. And they're along for the ride. So I've noticed that a lot of my friends are nines. Um, and something I've tried really hard with nines is that they want to be listened to and they want to be able to just kind of talk and you listen. And so I try to draw on my healthier, I go to a five and, you know, health, Mm -hmm. which is quieter and calmer. Mm -hmm. And so I try to, they draw that out of me, actually. I feel like they draw it out of me. Um, because they know you they know that you're gonna well because they're nines Uh nines just draw out like this they're peacemakers so they draw out like this peaceful calm and they talk slower I don't know if you that is true that That is very true if you listen to me and Farron talk oh she's a nine that's right Mm -hmm. yeah so they talk slower and I'm forced to listen and I try not to interrupt as much um and so yeah a lot of my friends are nines what about with your kids have you tried to pick apart with your kids? Are you? I absolutely have. Okay, and tell I, us. No, like you're not supposed to do that. I'm well, pretty sure there's somewhere it says well, don't in, do that. In the book, it talks about how you are a number. Right. And in childhood, you kind of lean to one mm-hmm. of your wings, and then you can learn to acquire the other one later on. So mm-hmm. we joke about how I'm the onest one who ever won, so I mm-hmm. don't go to the wings, which I'm sure is unhealthy. And you I don't go to, to. You don't think you go to either wing? No. I don't think so. But you can analyze me later if you want. Interesting. That could be fun. I definitely go to my eight wing most often. Really? So mm-hmm. how does that... We can get to that dynamic yeah. in a second. Uh, so what about your kids? So, yeah, I've tried... What, so names, ages, currently. Okay, yeah. So Sawyer Grace, she's a girl, Sawyer. Uh, she's eight and a half. And, um, well, let me go. I'm just going to go down the list of kids, and then I'll tell you what I think they might be. And then we have Dayton. He's our middle child right now, our oldest boy. He's uh, going to be seven in December. And then we have August. We call him Augie, and he is three. Um, and then we have Ruby, who we haven't gotten to meet yet, so she's 18 months old. Um, so Sawyer is, I believe, a one or a two. Okay. What makes you say she's that? She's very helpful. Okay. Um, so many, many times over parenting her, she'll get in trouble and she'll go, she sends herself to her room. Like, she'll get in trouble, and then she'll go to her room on her own, shut the door, and I've gone in there. When she was three or four, I went in there, and she was reading her little beginner's Bible. Okay, and that's it was, precious. It was so cute, yeah, <laughs> except I saw what she was reading, and I felt like, oh, She said she was reading about Joseph's brothers throwing him into the pit, oh, and she was, <laughs> she, was, she was learning to, she wanted to learn how to forgive her brother. Like, oh, she wow. was, yeah. Like That's she, really deep for yes. such a small human. Yes, she is. Oh, she's a very, uh, wow. she thinks deeply. She's the most faithful child. I mean, just yeah. one of the most faithful children I've ever met. But she has a very strong sense of, like, good and bad, uh-huh. right and wrong. And we would catch her when she was little saying, I'm bad, when she would get in trouble. And we've never, oh, yeah. ever right. told her that. Um, You're not bad. That was a bad choice. Right. Well, I don't even, I don't even know if I would say bad, like ever. And so she, we would catch her saying she was bad and she would make up songs. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And so that's definitely a one thing, harsh inner critic. Um, but then there's a two. So I don't know if she's a two with a one wing or one with a two wing. How did you combat the I'm so bad thing? Oh, I would go in right away and just talk about how, um, you are not bad. You are, um, first of all, I would, I would tell her that. You know, we all make poor choices and wrong decisions and that, thankfully, none of us have to be good because we have uh, Jesus Christ who 
has died for us, and he um, was the ultimate um, sacrifice, and he was good so that we don't have to be good. Um, and that's a, I think that's the hardest one to combat yeah. is yeah. the one, there, that feeling of being bad when, especially if you're a believer, feeling like, well, I'm bad. I have a sin nature. Um, but reminding yourself that I don't actually have to be good. So I don't know yeah. if you can combat the bad. Yeah. You talk okay, about that. So, oh, so that's interesting because I'm a one and I'm older than four slash. Well, she's eight right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than that. So it's interesting because when you were saying we don't have to be good, uh, I know a lot of other people are like, "That's not a pass to sin. Mm-hmm. It's not a free pass to." But it's interesting. So having a one here that is totally different. So that's great that you addressed it coming from a one right. because a one specifically needs to hear that they're not bad. They're, mm-hmm. That was. Yes, our mistakes hurt so bad, Mm -hmm. too. Like, it was a mistake. Um, And then they start, I'm bad. Why did I make the mistake? And then just that narrative of all the lies. So if you go back and listen to Lisa Lutz, it's episode eight, just how to combat those lies with the truths. Like, Oh, yeah, she's a one as well. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. it was a great interview. One interviewing a one, Mm -hmm. and then we had a a nine-wing one. It was a room full of ones. But um, it was just, it's cool to hear... If you have been forgiven of your sin, then you are guiltless. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you couldn't make it into heaven. So right. um, it's not a pass to sin. Mm-hmm. But for a one to hear that you're not a bad person, that was a poor choice, like you said. So mm-hmm. even just changing the narrative in my head as an adult, having to go from uh, that was a horrible decision and just beating myself up. So I was able to change the from the you're a bad person to that was a horrible decision and beating myself up for the decision over a long period of time. Yeah. And so now being mm-hmm. able to say, that, yes, that was a horrible decision, but you don't have to live under that guilt or shame anymore. So you can be free of that. Mm-hmm. There's freedom in that. So that's right. been really cool right. to discover through the Enneagram and even counseling, talking about it. It's been really neat to all of it tying together. Yeah. So I love that. And your counselor is a nine. I did not know Oh, that. I don't know if I should have told you, but she oh. is. <laughs> now I'll pick her apart. So maybe she's a 9 one We'll have a great time. That's Shout funny. Shout out. Uh, so tell me, so Sawyer is a one. Uh-huh. And possibly maybe, a two. She's, like a, a, she's a little helper as well. Yeah. Right. Which is precious. Is she helping because it's the right thing to do? That's a really good question. Or is question. she I, because her heart is telling her to help? Yeah, her? I don't know. I wish she was old enough to sort of decide. I've never really talked to her about the Enneagram. She's heard us talk about it before, though, and she said, what, what? she knows what the numbers are. She's like, what number am I? She <laughs> I probably tell you that. You she, can only tell you She that. probably thinks, one, that's the best. Like, let me be one. Yeah, I want to be number one. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she probably won. Um, I wish I, yeah, I wish she was old enough to tell me, but... I don't know. She is just super helpful, and I see her helping. She mm-hmm. wants to help friends, and she wants to help her teacher. So, I don't know. That's we'll so see. Good. Only uh, time will tell. I wonder if there's an Enneagram for kids or something like that. You know what? Maybe you could write a book. I know of one that oh. I, th- I believe it. Maybe, Maybe it's, it's not. Them. It's Susan Stabile's child writing it, I think. Ooh. It might not I'll be her. I'll have to look that up because that's I heard awesome. that talked about. Just to develop that self-awareness in a child at mm-hmm. such a young age. That's great stuff. Yeah. Okay, Sawyer, maybe one and a half mm-hmm. slash two. <laughs> so, next child. Uh, Dayton, we've always thought he was a seven. He we always he loves Ninja Turtles, and we always tell him he's Michelangelo, Who the party doesn't? dude. Yes, pizza, love yes, it. That's his favorite. Um, and recently, I'm like, maybe you're three. He tells me he wants me to buy him Nike. 
Nike clothes <laughs> and Under Armour. Hey, that is actually exactly where I get it, actually. And he told me on the first day of school this year, he leaned into me and whispered in my ear. He said, you can give me a hug, but no kissing. <laughs> but why, buddy? I need to know the why. Do yes. you ever catch yourself being like, why do you want me I did to not. I just said, okay, deal. And I gave him a hug, and oh. I left him on his first day of school. So... He's six, and I he definitely cares about image. I can yeah I can tell. So I don't know. I'm split between t- those two numbers yes. for him. Yes. Oh, has has he done anything else that's made you indicate either a seven or a three? So three is the performer, in case you forgot. Um, so they're always trying to maybe not always. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak in absolutes, but um, or the keep, achiever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So trying to keep up. Trying to mm-hmm. sometimes they can wear masks. Um, and they feel like they need to put on a show constantly, which can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's where I feel like that's a lot like a seven because a seven's the enthusiast or the entertainer. Yeah. Um, I really do think he's a seven. He hates being bored. Okay. Much like his mother. Um, and I tell him all the time, being bored is good. That's where creativity happens. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to like say all those things, but, um, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm split between both of them. And I'm trying really hard to not ever put them in one of those boxes to where I parent them that way because I think it could be harmful if I'm parenting them and thinking they're a one and they're not Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatnot. Yeah, so is it just kind of trial and error? I'm just going to wait for them to tell me what they are one day. Or you're a seven and you're just going to wing it, so it's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Surprisingly, we've been on this earth for a long time, so I think we'll make it a little bit longer. Okay, so a one or a two, and then you have a seven or a three, mm-hmm. not sure, and then what about Little Nugget over I there? I have no clue. He is very stubborn. I have okay. no clue. He is the most stubborn Maybe child we've one. ever had. Maybe an eight. <laughs> very, yeah, it's possible. Uh, and at the same time, he's really laid back, so. Maybe an eight. Maybe. Uh, I was, not a one. I kind of thought he might be a nine, but he's very stubborn. So, Everything has to be in his yeah. order, his way. Okay. See, this is hard, especially when they're so little and they can't tell you because they're not quite sure, or they don't have the vocabulary to tell you. Do you have guesses of what your kids are? Um, uh, well, maybe I'll just talk out loud and you can tell me what they are. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of when Sloan... Okay, so Sloan gets frustrated a lot, and that is maybe because I say that I get frustrated mm, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but She's mirroring your emotions. Right, so... Maybe a one, uh, but watching her on the soccer field, if she's trying to run, you can hear her go like, like try to get to the girl, and she gets upset when she can't get her or can't get the ball, or if she doesn't score when she wants to, so I'm not sure. That's just a soccer example, Um, but she (laughs) loves building. She's so sweet with her siblings. How old is she? She's three. She'll turn four in uh, in September. Okay. Well, right now. I feel like it's nearly impossible to tell at that age. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think they say, um, I, I know you're, you know, largely born with your number, um, but your personality is mostly set by age five. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you know in two years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scout is a little more stubborn, and she's not afraid to take a girl out. So, like, if Sloan, She might be an eight. Oh, <laughs> Morgan, you're going to have to raise that one. And then Rhett, he's... Almost a year, so yeah. who knows? Yeah, but he likes to dance, so that's all I know about okay. that guy so far. Super smiley, likes to dance, and has twelve teeth. How? How? Wow, that yeah. is a ton of teeth. Molars too. I'm like, that, oh no wonder, buddy, your wow, your face hurts. <laughs> so kids, there we go. Random thought. I was like, I wonder if dogs have enneagram numbers. Are they all sevens? Do you have a dog? So happy. Uh, yes. So we have a labradoodle, 
and we had we just got a Weimariner. Oh wow! So that's we've got be, some big dogs. Yes, little puppy Weimariner, gonna be Morgan's hunting dog. Oh, we have a dog named Bear and a dog named Cricket, so our kids are gonna be super confused, like they're dogs, not bears or crickets. That's so funny. We only have chickens. I thought you were about to say you have a dog named Chicken. I was like, that's no. perfect. <laughs> you have chickens. I did not know that. Yes. Well, we try not to advertise it because it's okay. like not in our city limits, it's I think. Fine. No one's going to hear this episode. It's just me uh, and you who are going to No one knows this. where I live. You don't that's know. Fine. You can't tell me what to do. Two miles from this place. That's apparently. true. That's true. You could Google it. Two mile radius and we'll see. Okay. So they have not laid me any eggs. Can you believe that? Zero Your eggs so far. Are broken. If you have some chicken We've got friends with chickens. Tips, you can send them my way. Yes. We do have friends who have chickens who, and they do all that stuff. And they make honey. You know who you are. You know who I'm talking to. Help us. Okay. How has the Enneagram affected your marriage? So earlier you mentioned Casey's an eight and you're a seven wing eight. Or uh-huh. Would yes. Would you claim a gigantic wing? Or? Yeah, I would. At times. So, you know, I'm a... An entrepreneur, business owner, a pretty hard-headed woman, I would say. Um, what's funny is would he... Would Casey say that? Oh, my. <laughs> he would say it the most of anybody. Um, and then I believe he would say this, too. He's an eight-wing seven. Oh. So we are an interesting pair, yeah. which makes us either, like, oil and water or... Yes. Or... Uh, oil and oil. Or lots of... Yeah, lots of fun. Lots uh, of sometimes it's lots of fun. Or most of the time, it's lots of fun. Yeah, yes. Some, rarely. What are we even doing? Most of the time, it's lots of fun. When we discovered the Enneagram, we were li- I remember we were sitting in our living room floor. I was um, reading to him between the seven, a relationship between the seven and an eight. Mm-hmm. And he starts looking around. And he's like, someone is videoing us. Because <laughs> it felt like it was, we were yeah. reading our relationship, which basically in the bad parts of the relationship ends in like a murder suicide. So <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, you heard it first guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You were now who murders who? I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it can be definitely when I'm, you know, have my eight wing and we're arguing, it's, it's a lot of, uh, very sh- straight talking sort mm-hmm. of conversation. So we have had to, we put boundaries in our relationship early on. I read your blog oh, about yeah. fighting fair. Yeah, you, what, what do you have? absolutely? I use that. You even called it the D word. That's yes. what we call it. Yeah. We're not allowed we to don't say even the D word. Say the whole word. No, and we don't mean that D word, guys. We mean divorce. <laughs> Get your mind right. You're not allowed to say this is the word divorce. G-rated. So that's actually a a rule in couples counseling too. I ask couples to commit to not throwing around around any breakup language while they're in couples counseling. And so, so that's something that we what's have What's some early. breakup language? Because I've never heard it phrased that way. Oh, okay. So, well, have you watched Friends? Yeah. Okay. Like anything we like, anything, yeah, anything like I can't do this anymore or um, I need a break. I need a break. And they leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that communicates I'm done with you or you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah. and you might just be meaning I'm done with this uh, conversation. But, off, but yeah, what you're actually communicating, though, is... Something deeper. You're not... I, yeah, this relationship isn't worth this. Yeah. my feelings that I feel right now, and I want to get out of it. Right. Um, so no breakup language. So any of that. Okay. Anything I, like that. I love how it's phrased that way mm-hmm. because people might not be married or they might be on the, in premarital counseling mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay, so what are... So you said you don't say the D word. Yep. What are some other rules that you guys have? Um, we, or how do you phrase it? So I, we call it the fight rules. 
okay? And we actually had our fight rolls. This is kind of funny. We took it down because people started coming over and seeing it. But we had our fight rolls posted on our refrigerator. Oh, because it was so often. We always argue in the kitchen, yeah. Why the kitchen? (laughs) I don't know. That's where life happens. So we argue in the kitchen. Got to stand next to the refrigerator, and I would point to the rules, like, you are breaking rule number two. That's so practical. Um, The one in me loves that. That is funny. So we we ended up taking it down because it was awkward. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was early in our relationship. I'm not even sure uh, if we learned that from someone. I want to say in an argument. I was like, this is going nowhere. We we need to come up with some ground rules, yeah, some boundaries. So... Um, and something I use in couples counseling too. So we no D word, no calling names, um, try not to yell. So we're mm-hmm. eight well, and, and seven. Y'all, yeah. So y'all are we're just loud. naturally loud. Yeah. We're just loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, a very strict rule is we do not raise our voice at each other in front of the kids. Um, that's so just, what do you do? Do you just table it? Do you have a code word? Like the well, from four Christmases? Or? I think we're both so aware of their, like of their presence that mm-hmm. we just, don't even go there anymore. So I can still remember the first time that we yelled when our oldest, um, well, the first time, not the first time we yelled, but our fir- the first time we I can remember, time, <laughs> the first time that I can remember yelling at each other and our daughter Sawyer was in her high chair in the kitchen and she um, burst into tears like she was scared. And I remember looking at her and thinking, there is no way I'm yeah. going to continue this. Yeah. So um, basically just stopped then I mean I really don't I can count on my hand how many times we've raised our voice in front of our kids um so no yelling um hmm, or how did you come up with these because I know it's different for different people like with ours hit for Morgan specifically it was don't raise your voice because he operates at loud decibels that Mm -hmm. break my eardrums and mine is you're way quieter yeah so my deadly sin is anger specifically uh-huh. resentment so I'm like but that one time eight years ago right blah, blah, like mm. so my rule for me is if it's done mm-hmm. the door is shut yeah so we can't if it's something we've already done it's closed it's not mm-hmm. for reopening so yeah. no more of remember that one time that's mm-hmm. why I'm still thinking this 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 no you said you forgave me mm-hmm. so it's right. done yeah and I would ask if you're a couple and you feel like you have to keep bringing up the past it might be something that you need to hash out in counseling Maybe individual counseling, um, maybe in, in couples counseling, but it, it signifies that there's something deeper there that right. you're having trouble. Maybe mm-hmm. you feel like it never really got talked about. Yeah. I know for uh, Casey and I, there was times where he felt like he got to say his, you know, his piece, and then he was done talking about it, and I was like, no, we are not done talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, oh, that's one. We do not fight past 1030. Why that magic number? He goes to bed at 1030, regardless. Like, Casey okay. Coates goes to bed at 1030. Okay. That is a non-negotiable. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that not an eight thing? Right. Uh, no. Morgan I, doesn't do that? No, Morgan, but Morgan's feelings are so fleeting. Like, he'll say that, and then two seconds later, he's over it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just now getting worked yeah, up right. with this. Right. So... Uh, yeah, that's I and I know not all eights are the same, but it's funny mm-hmm. how I I'm going to bed. So is that yeah. what he does? Oh yeah, he's like, like alarm um, goes off. I'm going to bed. Well, if we're arguing, and I know it's approaching ten thirty, I get kind of panicky because I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not going to get finished <laughs> this. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to finish this. We're gonna we have to talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, he's just sleepy, and if I keep him up, he's just going to get mean. Yes. So that's just yeah. the truth. Right, and so again, being aware of self. Uh huh. Like and Morgan, after both of us have worked all day. And we've done the dinner and clean up and bedtime routine. 
it's we're both exhausted mm-hmm. so it's not going to be productive what we've done is we've had we've planned couch dates like if the kids go uh, Sloan doesn't need sleep she's some sort of vampire person I guess <laughs> like, all right Sloan go up to the room and just play Legos and she's like all right cool and so then we'll have a couch date and like, all right we need a 10 minute couch date tomorrow mm-hmm. night and then we'll have it and then yeah. That way it's, for me, in my head, I'm like, okay, here's my agenda in my head. Things mm-hmm. I want to cover. And Morgan's like, okay, don't be loud. Don't be loud. <laughs> so. We are the same way. We put the kids to bed and always connect. The other thing is if I let him go to bed, instead of making him argue, I know the next morning he he's great. He's the best one about apologizing. He will always apologize. If there's anything that he did mm-hmm. at all, he will wake me up when he before he goes to work or whatever, That's before he goes to work out, and he will apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've learned, like, Hey, this is gonna be over way faster, and I'm gonna get an apology yeah. if I just let the man go to bed. Yes, sleep, food, <laughs> basic needs. Okay, so again with your wings, you said you're either having, you're either great or you're either totally off. Yes. Is there really an in between for you guys? Oh, just the day to day. I mean, we're busy with all the kids and both working, and so I would say, you know, most most days are just normal mm-hmm. um, days, but. Every night we pretty much connect and hang out and yeah, I would say it's, it's normally a lot of fun. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, when, when couples say they don't have anything to talk about, I've, I've honestly, we've never experienced that. We have, Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a ton of things to just talk about. We both are energized by talking to each other. Um, it's just when we butt heads and we just don't agree. So Mm -hmm. we actually went to, I, I take that back. We went to one marriage counseling session, um, with a guy probably six months ago because we had an adoption-related issue come up and we could not agree. It. We could not agree. Yes. Actually, I'll tell you because it actually relates to the Enneagram. We were watching this video and we were talking about attachment. Mm-hmm. And uh, What so, does that mean for Okay, so we're adopting a little girl um, who is 18 months old from China, so she's lived her entire life in an orphanage. And so she's likely, you know, going to have some attachment issues. Um, Attachment meaning being attached to us, knowing that we are her parents. We are not just another um, couple of people to take care of her. So she's had many caregivers. um, And so attachment theory basically says that you should cocoon or stay with this child that you are bringing into your home um, for as long as possible without having someone else take care of them. Okay. Okay. So we're watching this training. It's late at night. We put the kids to bed. This is our couch date. We're watching Mm -hmm. this training and it's talking about not, um, leaving them with someone else. And I said, am I ever going to get to go to church again? Like I had this moment of like panic. Oh, great. You preach on Sundays. I'm never going to get to go to church again. Like I'm not going to be able to drop her off in the nursery. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to go to church. And this is before we got matched. So we had accepted up to a Mm three-year-old child. And so I'm thinking, I can't have a three-year-old in the service. Like they're going to be disruptive. And his, his, his response was, it's my job. What do you want me to do about it? And I was more just like thinking out loud. Yes. Like, oh no, yeah. I'm never going to get to go to church again. And well, he heard it as like inflammatory. Like I was accusing him of not, not letting me go to church. To, yes. Yeah. Not being able to provide something that you truly Yes. Need. Right. And so that conversation went round and round and I just wanted him to hear me and he wanted me to hear him. And so we ended up, um, setting a counseling appointment for like three days later and, yeah. We just talked about it in front of the therapist, and I don't think he even offered anything that was different, but we left better. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we just left feeling better, so. Came to a decision. We did. Okay, great. But that was me, a seven, feeling trapped. Yes. That's what that was. Yes. Yeah. 
That makes total sense now that you said that out loud how I'm not going to get to go uh-huh. to church again. Yeah. Which is why also, yay for online That's med- right. Um, services that you can watch or listen to. Very and true. You said something about a podcast earlier. Don't they ha- do they have them podcast? Oh yeah, now? the church, yeah. Look at that. There yay. We go. Good stuff. Okay, so how would you say the Enneagram has affected your relationship with God? Well, many things stood out to me about the Enneagram that I never um, knew or never had. I never had words to to put with it, but this feeling of um, maybe scarcity or there not being enough, that's a seven kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Maybe not being taken care of, like for even the church thing was maybe feeling not taken care of. Um, and just reminding myself all the time, like, God has me. God is going to take care of me. He has supplied me with all of my needs. I've actually done a lot of thinking of where did this come from? I do not recall any time in my childhood, you know, there's a childhood wound. Mm -hmm, Um, And I do not recall anything in my childhood that sort of put that there, but it is there. And I can't tell you why it's there. This feeling of um, just having to like look out for myself, Mm -hmm. like no one else is going to do it. That's a thing for me, for a seven. Um, and I feel it, and, and not a lot of people see it, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe they all see it, and I'm just blind to it. Casey sees it, and he's talked about it. He's like, you have got to realize and let that go. Um, there's various times where he feels that he sees it, and he calls it out of me. Um, but just acknowledging that God has supplied all of my needs. I have never mm-hmm. really wanted for anything. Um, even our adoption story, it was supposed to take like three to five years, and it was seven months until we got a match. Um, yeah. Just crazy stuff like that and just reminding myself that that is nothing that I've done. That was all just God's timing. And mm-hmm. um, so that's a big a big portion of it. And then there's a, a Cody Carnes song that came out recently. Do you know who Cody Carnes? Oh, well, we're seeing one. I think we sing one of his church, songs at church. Um, but it talks about my heart needs a surgeon. And that, that when I heard, I heard it in concert, and I'd never heard the song before. And whenever Is I heard that. Is a country that, singer? No, it's a Christian. Oh, okay. It's a Christian. Like, he, he went before Elevation. Oh, okay. Uh, worship. Um, when I heard that, I know that is not meant for a seven, but when I heard it, that's what I thought of, is that part of my heart that feels like I'm going to miss out on something. Mm-hmm. So FOMO is real uh, for yes. a seven. For sure, seven. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody, probably, but definitely a seven. And so that's something that... Um, I just, I ask for God to basically, you know, fulfill those, those parts yes. of my heart that feel like they're missing out. I like how you use the word scarcity too, because y'all's, y'all, seven's deadly sin. We all have them. It's fine. Or a vice. It's, it's gluttony. Mm-hmm. So it's the wanting the more, or I don't have enough, so I need more. So like you said, with scarcity. Mm-hmm. Wanting it all, wanting all of it, right. all the things. I feel like I have yeah. to gather them all. Mm-hmm. So that way I either don't miss it. Or I have it. Mm-hmm. I totally feel like a squirrel sometimes, like <laughs> gathering nuts. Um, and, and I have to remind myself, like, I am going to be okay. I can, yeah. like, leave this all out here, mm-hmm. and I will still have enough. Yeah. Do you feel like you do that mentally also? So not just with, I mean, I'm sure if you're doing that, it could be either physical. Like, oh, no, it's totally, in your head. like, friendships or activities or, I mean, at the, while we are on every vacation, I am grieving that it's going to be over and planning the next one. Oh, while I'm on it. While I'm on it. So what do you do to kind of be present? What do you do to I have to tell myself that. that. So I I always have a year. I mean, a word for the year. Okay. Um, Sometimes they've been patience, but this one, this year was present, Mm -hmm. being present. And so 
you know, that meant like being on my phone less when I was with the kids. Um, it meant like practicing mindfulness, sometimes just driving home and not having the radio playing and not talking on the phone Mm -hmm. and just looking out the window and acknowledging the things that were going by. I mean, that's really hard for a seven to do is just to be in the moment, happy with what's going on, not planning the next thing. I can plan every day of my week with something fun. That's good. Well, that That sounds like a fun time for me. It exhausts. (laughs) So my friend Lauren, who's a four, it exhausts her. She's like, I do not know how you do all of that. She wants to be like Is she at a homebody? Home. She wants to do the face-to-face things, but she's like doesn't right. need doesn't feel the need to plan seven yeah. days a week of. If all she the wants stuff. face-to-face, you're like yes, but on a boat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you hear that, Lauren? <laughs> gotta go on a boat. Yeah, a cruise. I'm in a cruise. A so cruise. there you go. Now you gotta go on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, we will not be giving away free tickets. So feel oh free man, to... you don't have free tickets uh, yet. We, you know. We'll work on the funding side of things later. <laughs> if you would like to have an ad in our podcast, please reach out, wittyandgrittypodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> For real, though. Okay, so, and then, with, back to your relationship with God. So, whenever you feel like you are stressing out, so you go to a one. So, what do you do? Are you trying to be more self-aware so that you feel yourself stressing, so you feel yourself going? And how do you combat that or bring yourself back? So, like, with sevens, healthy state... The scarcity thing. So what about when you are going to a negative one? Yeah, so I think the best way that I've been monitoring that is normally, so normally it comes out with other people. I um, can tell that I'm in a stressful place based on how I'm talking to my kids or how I'm talking to my husband. I don't, I don't feel it at, at all at work. Um, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking with other people about their stuff, and I'm not, my stuff's not, um, like, you know, really showing at that at that point. And so it's normally when I'm headed home from work and I'm feeling, you know, anxious about all the bedtimes I'm about to do, three bedtimes, and or I haven't eaten or whatever, um, and I can monitor that. I can tell on my kids' faces if I'm being critical mm-hmm. or. Um, acting stressful because normally I'm like let's play Uno let's yeah. you know let's play a game let's go swimming Let, let's do something and so I'm normally I'm snapping at them when I'm in that negative space and the same thing with my husband but he's good at just calling it out just saying do you have a bad day yeah he'll just say did you what have did a bad day to earn this bad day from you <laughs> <laughs> oh funny that's what that's what I've had to do to keep my check myself in check with the whole anger thing just wearing it to different places, but I'm like, these kids did not do anything to make me feel this way. That w- that stuff mm-hmm. happened either mm-hmm. at work or the day before or whatever it was. So yeah. these precious little innocent babes did nothing to deserve my anger mm-hmm. or my frustration or yeah. whatever it is. So I think another thing for a seven is just so we're really good about at just distracting ourselves when we're feeling um, in a bad place. So I will distract myself with my phone, with food with tv with you know with whatever um and so when i find that i am wanting to watch tv while eating chips i probably didn't have the best day okay so that's probably your indicator to you like if i'm sitting on the couch about to watch a show and i have a bag of salt and vinegar and my (laughs) salt and vinegar for sure (laughs) and then in my other hand is my phone like i'm i'm distracting i have all my distractors Uh right here okay that means there's something that so what do you do when you feel yourself in that moment um, sometimes I just eat the chips and watch the show. All right, hey. <laughs> That's to be totally honest. Yes. Um, a lot of times I will, I'll tell, I'll talk to Casey about it. We'll, mm-hmm. I'll just kind I of. eat these chips with me. 
Yeah, he won't even sit by me if I'm eating salt and vinegar <laughs> chips. Um, he, but he's really good at just listening and drawing some some of that stuff out of me. So I normally feel better after talking about it. Mm-hmm. I would also um, encourage journaling. So I do write some of these things down. Um, Will you tell, and me, I feel tell us what that looks like? So I know in the past we've had some people come on the show and talk about how they specifically journaled. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you, for example? So I have a, a various methods. So one, I do gratitude journaling every day. Um, so I always write down things that I'm grateful for every single day, but the more stressful journaling is, can be a letter. It can be like, so let's say that Casey and I got an argument. I will hammer out an email to him that I don't send. Okay. okay? And that's a form of journaling. (laughs) Yeah. Don't send. It's called literally, I, I assign these assignments to, to clients. A do not send letter where you get everything out that you want to say, and then you don't send it because it's not going to be helpful. Um, so I'll do that, or I will write out um, a prayer, or I'll just simply write about my day and why I'm frustrated. Yeah. Just just write it down. I don't care. No one's going to read it. I don't right. care if it's grammatically correct. Mm-hmm. That's something you ones would have I to know, work on. I know. Yeah. If I'm angry writing, I'm just, it's going to be... I'm going to have to not worry about the punctuation. I'm too angry to do that. Research says it's better if you're writing with your hand than typing. Yes. You knew that? Okay. Mm. Yeah. What else, though? What other research do we not know about journaling? Hmm. Fill our brains with knowledge. Gratitude journaling is one of the best ways to help someone who is feeling any symptoms of depression and anxiety. Okay. It acts as a mini session between counseling sessions. Okay. So would you say how many times a day should you do it? Anytime you feel that way? think of something or so I, I do mine at night only because I'm writing about five things that happened that day that I'm grateful for okay um sometimes I'll do it in the morning but it's about the day before mm-hmm. if I do that I tell a lot of people to start your day like that you can write about yesterday's list you know mm-hmm. in the morning um if you feel like you're battling depression or just need some more positivity in your life um but I think really whatever works for you is yeah. is the best way depending on your personality and I'm a night owl, so anything in the morning is just survival. Yeah. <laughs> Survive enough to get to work. I'm the same way. Ugh. I'm surprised by that. I would think a one might be more. Well, I have a, to a make myself person. get up and go work out at 5 a.m. And then go that to is work. early. It is early. Ooh. It's rough. It's I'm a hot mess sometimes. I didn't go this week. You know, it is what it is. It's balance. Balance. It's the second week of school. Uh, or is yeah. that the third week of school? I don't even know. I don't, know. I don't even know. I don't even know. I think it's third because progress reports are due. Um, <laughs> Teacher get those done. Just <laughs> kidding. I got them done and I'm a one. Duh. But, uh, okay, so the final question would be, what are some of the best benefits you've gotten out of either knowing your Enneagram number or the Enneagram in general? What are some of the best benefits that either you personally or can for other people to apply to their lives? Um, for me, it has been in my relationship with my husband, just understanding, being able to pick up on cues when he is stressed and not, not taking it personally and saying, that's about me, that's about him. So, um, or whatever his day was and in the, and with other friends as well. So, you know, if I have like my friend Lauren, whenever she's asking me to meet face to face and I'm like, we just hung out yesterday but that was in a big group. Yeah. Understanding. That doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't count for her. Mm-hmm. And so making time for that. Um, just understanding that that's very, my personality is very different from um, hers or anybody else's. We're all super unique and have different gifts. And 
Um, I really like knowing people's Enneagram numbers because I like noticing what they bring to the table. Like I love being like, that is the six part of you. Mm -hmm. And I love that you were so prepared. Thank you for bringing the sunblock. Like (laughs) I totally forgot that. You are fearful of the sunburn. I I just like knowing what everyone brings. And, you know, I heard one time that um, every number is showing one of God's attributes. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk more into that. Um, I'm probably not going to have them all right, but you know, nine, it shows the peace of God, um, eight, the power of God, seven, the joy of God. Um, and it goes down the list and I don't remember six. That's why I'm not going to go. The loyalist, so. I know, but there's like a certain, how he's never going to leave us. Yes. Hey, the, yeah. Just, I guess maybe the loyalty, but there is a certain number. There's, I heard, um, Maybe it was Ian Cron himself that went through and mm-hmm. talked about all the... Is one like the wrath of God? It oh, may no. have been. <laughs> um, but I just really love that. I love knowing everyone's, yes. you know, good qualities that they bring to the table. And we need right. them all. Yeah. I love how it, they all come together to represent. And it's cool because it's kind of like how the conundrum of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the, all the personalities... It's all, he's all one and the same. He can have all these things. He right. has all these things. Look at that. So Imperfection. Yeah. Our brains don't even work to understand. <laughs> okay. So one last counseling plug. So again, tell us what you do and what advice would you give people? What are some indicators on come to counseling? Whether it can be anything, this can be a broad or a narrow question. Yeah. Um, well, my philosophy is everyone needs counseling at some point, um, I have an individual counselor myself. Her name is Anne. Um, shout out. Shout out, Anne. Um, you know, I think if you're looking to overcome a specific issue, anxiety, depression, grief, communication issues, conflict in a relationship, any of those things are good um, times to seek counseling. But even if you just want, like, help setting goals or having, um, you know, some things that you want to accomplish, I think having a counselor just sort of listen. It's an unbiased um, person who doesn't know everyone else in your life and isn't telling you all the reasons you can't do something or the obstacles, but more is there to support you um, along the way. That's how I, that's what I view my goal, uh, or my approach in counseling. Um, and oftentimes I feel like I'm their cheerleader. I'm their coach. So I'm, you know, asking them, well, have you tried this perspective or have you tried this way of doing it? And, you know, just helping them find the way that they want to go um, and just being alongside them as they're finding their way. So something I didn't know about counseling until I started going was that there are different like specific skill sets that you have. I'm not saying that you are only limited to your one, but you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, marriage, but specifically recovering from affairs. Yes. So what are some other types? So people who have never been to counseling or haven't mm-hmm. been a long time or... What are some categories? Because I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the youngest. I mean, there's play therapy, um, which is with kids as young as even two or three years old. What does play Um, therapy do? So you literally play with the children while talking to them. I don't do play therapy, um, but we do have a couple of play therapists here in our office. Um, Normally that is for children who have experienced some sort of trauma or have had some sort of abuse, um, and they're... Partly trying to get information out of the child, but also teaching them, you know, they might be act, might be acting out and they're giving them some different coping skills. Um, so that's play therapy. Um, there's working with adolescents and teenagers um, for specific issues. I mean, they're dealing with so much these days, anxiety, depression, um, self-harm. Um, there's 
just adult counseling for a variety of reasons, anxiety, depression, grief, stress, conflict. I mean, you name it, pretty much anything that we deal with in our day-to-day. And then couples counseling. There's also, um, you know, divorce recovery, um, premarital counseling, all sorts of counseling. I mean, really just anything that you... Yeah, any struggle. There's a there's Basically, a basically. You'll, you'll solve it. And so counselors just find that they work well with certain clients um, or that they particularly enjoy something. So I've always liked working with couples um, and in recent years have kind of honed my skills mm-hmm. for uh, affair recovery. What would you say to someone who had a bad counseling experience and then is now is like, no, I'm not ever going again. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Yeah, I'm, I actually I've encountered many people who've had just a really bad experience for a variety of reasons. And I'd say, Honestly, not every counselor fits every person. And I tell people that in the first session, we might not mesh well, and that's totally fine. Um, I think you need to find a counselor who works well with your personality. And so um, I would give another person a try. And I think it's fine to go counselor shopping. If you want to see, if you want to set up two or three appointments with a counselor and just see who you like the most, if you have that time and you're not in a crisis, go for it. I think that is totally fine and um I've just been fortunate to like mine when I meet them. There you go. <laughs> or I would try someone new. So say I need counseling, and I don't even know where to start. Do I just go to Google and Google, I need a counselor, or what do I do? Uh, well, I would start with, if you know a friend who has been to counseling, um, asking them if they if they like their counselor. Um, I think, you know, people who have a good counselor want to refer them out, and so um, start there. And if you don't, or if you don't want to tell anyone that you're going to counseling, which is really common and totally fine, um, then yeah, I would, I would start with, um, Googling and looking at reviews. Um, there's a counseling, um, listing called psychology today. It's going to be one of the first thing that pops up on your Google search anyway. Um, and just, you can, you can kind of toggle that to meet your specific criteria. So it can be in your town or whatever um, your issues are, you can click them and those counselors will populate. Um, you can say you want a Christian counselor. So there's various re- various ways. I, I tend to look personally. I have tons of people who just reach out to me and they say, I live in Dallas or I live in Fort Worth. Can you, if you don't know anyone, can you find me a counselor? And I will go on and look because they feel like I know what I'm looking for and I've done that even with someone who lived in Denver Colorado so and she wrote me and was like I love the counselor you picked for me and I have I don't even know her but I think you can uh find one that you're you just kind of is drawn it's drawn you're drawn to just by looking on the internet sometimes right and that's how I found my person I I messaged you I was like Lauren like oh well oh yeah I I can't be your person because I know you yeah but let's find you a person yes you can't see someone you know Personally. Yes, for all the right reasons. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so any final thoughts on Enneagram, counseling, tying it all together? If you had to walk away with someone knowing just a couple things, what are the mm. main things you want to hit? If you do not know your Enneagram number, even if you think it's all a bunch of hogwash, I uh, encourage you to just look into it, read over the types, see if something resonates with you. Um, I bet you one or maybe two will um, and it would be helpful for your relationships if you could figure out their uh, Enneagram numbers as well and just talk about it. It's a lot of fun just to talk about. It is. This is what 
is like almost all of our group dates we just talk about. Yes. And it's funny because once you know someone else's number, it's this whole other level. Mm -hmm. And that's why, Mm -hmm. so Blake Klickner talked about this, the past episode, he talked about, he thought it was a cult and his mother-in-law was in a cult kind of thing. And it was just funny. That is funny. Hearing him go skeptic to. uh, I can't wait to hear Blake. I bet he was a blast on here. Oh yeah. Fun times. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Lauren, for being on the show. Absolutely, this was great. We will want to have you back for sure. And that was episode seventeen, the final interview session in the Road Back to You book series. And we will have our next mini series coming up. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast, hosted by Brooke and Farron. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and our website, wittyandgritty.blog. Subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates, freebies, and more. Keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot.